0: with Dr. Frank Turek. Right after the Constitutional Convention, a woman asked Benjamin Franklin a question, and the question was this. Well, Doctor, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? And Franklin said this, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. If you can keep it. What did he mean by that? First of all, what's a republic, and what did he mean by that? I mean, we're on a weekend here just prior to a major election, a a presidential election. But we're going to go back all the way to the founding of this country and really look at what is a republic? Why is America unique? What is American exceptionalism? How can we keep the republic? Are we losing the republic? What can we do about it? And there's no better person to talk about that than my friend Eric Metaxas, the New York Times bestselling author of the new book called If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. And uh, those of you who listen to this program know that Eric is no stranger to this program. He's been on this program several times before for Bonhoeffer, an amazing book. Also Amazing Grace, Wilberforce, the the story of William Wilberforce and how he Ended Slavery. He also has written Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness, Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness. The last time we had Eric on, he talked about miracles, what they are, why they happen, and how they can change your life. That was another one of his books. So it's always a great pleasure to have my friend Eric Metaxas on. Eric, how are you?
1: I am just swell, Frank. How are you?
0: Now, you are doing radio every single day now uh, and that's a great responsibility, but you do a great job at it. In fact, I was just on your show earlier this week, and you always—you're not—you're you, not only talk about topics that are very important, but you talk talk about them in a fun and winsome way. How's this working out for you? Two hours—is it two hours a day, or what? What are you doing? It's one two, or two. It's
1: two hours a day, uh, Monday through Friday, so it's ten hours of programming a week. Uh, I, for a lot of that, I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but I have a body double. <laughs> but the body double—this is what's so stupid. I pay for a body double, right? And it's utterly useless because in radio, people can't even see. We dress him up; he looks just like me. Sits with the microphone, but I still have to do the voice.
0: Is so the body it doesn't, double doesn't work? Is the body double smarter than you, or?
1: Oh, it, it 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 doesn't even it doesn't even matter. It's just a security guard who's my height and weight. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Perfect. we've already confused the audience. No, I do ten hours of radio a week. I love it. It's the Eric Metaxas show. Folks can go. You can get an app. Actually, I want to encourage all my friends to get the app. It's oh yeah, the yeah. Eric get the Metaxas app. Show, and I have the best guests. I can I can brag on my guests. You were on just a couple of days ago. They can listen to that as a podcast. But honestly, I get to talk to such fun people. So I have really really. Thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. I've, I've talked people across the spectrum from you know Morgan Freeman and Katie Couric to Ann Coulter. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's just a lot of fun.
0: You do a great job at it. You're witty. You're funny. You have great books. You have great guests. You have great content. So I'm just so glad you're out there. You're on the Salem Radio Network. It's another network out there. But Good people buddy. can check out erikmetaxas.com, get the app, listen to his program when you can. But, Eric, let's go to this book. You, you wrote this book. It, it, it comes out a few months before a major presidential election. Yep. It's called If You Can Keep It. Let's just start with the basics. First of all, what is a republic and, and why is the American republic unique?
1: Well, it's important to go back, and uh, most of what I write in the book, if you can keep it, by the way, it's very easy to read. It's not like Bonhoeffer, because I wrote it hoping every single American would read it, because this is the stuff that we have forgotten at our peril. In fact, even saying at our peril is putting it nicely. It is mm-hmm. game over if we don't relearn what is in this book like yesterday, because this, the founders understood that self-government requires people who understand how it works. So that's what the book is all about. And at the front of the book, I tell the story, which I didn't really know, about Benjamin Franklin, who is uh, coming out of the Constitutional Convention. Now, imagine, and again, this is something I forgot. Most people, even if you learn this in school, which you probably didn't, you forget it. But what happened was, you know, we have 1776. And we're talking about liberty, and we're talking about small government. We're talking about throwing off the shackles of tyranny and King George and monarchy and stuff. And we're going to go it on our own. And we have this thing called the Articles of Confederation. Very, very loose kind of government. The 13 colonies each had their own. It was almost like 13 little countries kind of connected, like the European Union or something. Mm. And um, frankly, it wasn't working so well. It was so little government. We know you want as little government as possible. But you could have too little government. That that basically never happens. But if you have too little government, it doesn't work either. And it looked like they needed to beef it up. They needed something a little stronger than the Articles of Confederation. So they go to Philadelphia, back to Independence Hall, and they have a constitutional convention. What are we going to do? We've got to create some kind of a government that is allows true self-government, that allows the people to vote. But we're not talking about a mobocracy, like the people vote. On whatever, like the people are governing, it's that you elect leaders whose job it is to vote. You know, they are the ones who uh, who make the decisions. So and so, and every few years you elect them. So it's not like the idea that I go to a voting booth and I and I decide everything on my own. Instead, no, 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 I'm electing leaders who will decide those things. Right. So self government mm-hmm. means I'm electing people who are supposed to know how these things work and what laws are good and what laws are bad, whatever. So that's a republic, and we've had that from the beginning. But Franklin, when he comes out of the Constitutional Convention, the the people outside that building literally had no idea what they'd done inside that building. They thought it is entirely possible that we had to go back to some kind of soft monarchy, that there's no doubt that that was a possibility that was on the table. Maybe this self-government thing isn't going to work. So the people were hoping that they'd created some kind of republic that could work in the Constitution, but the people didn't know. So this Mm -hmm. woman, Mrs. Powell, says to Franklin, and he was 82 years old. I think he was was the oldest member of the, the, the convention, and he lived in Philadelphia for 67 years. And she says to him, Dr. Franklin, what have you given us, a monarchy or a republic? She was not joking. She wanted to know, what did you do in that building? What do we got? And he says, a republic, madam? if you can keep it. And I remember when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's so cute. Like, she's asking monarchy or republic as if they could have been, it could have been a monarchy. Well, I realize now, yes, it could have been a monarchy. We've never had in the history of the world true self-government until 1776 and 1787. We never had it. So they really are thinking, like, could you pull this off? Why should you be able to pull off this crazy idea of real liberty when nobody else was able to pull it off ever in the history of the world? So she's asking, honestly, what have you given us, a monarchy or a republic? And he says "A Republic, madam, if you can keep it, that's the title of the book, If You Can Keep It, because he was actually wondering, imagine this, he knows I'm not going to be living very long. In fact, he died three years later. He's thinking, I have no idea 50 years from now if the people will be able to govern themselves because it's never been done. It's such a beautiful idea. But is it possible? He didn't know if the people would be able to pull Mm. it off. He was hoping... But he really said, if you can keep it, meaning if you don't keep it, it goes away. And so the whole story of my book is that we have forgotten how to keep it. The subtitle is, If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten uh, Secret of American Liberty. We have forgotten how it works and what our role is in doing it. And because of that, we are on the verge of losing it. I am convinced that the election in a couple of days will determine forever if we keep it or lose it that we have pushed things so far that we have no more wiggle room and if we make the wrong decision we're dead and that's because we have allowed this to go to, we've drifted for 40 or 50 years right to the edge of this cliff
0: now when we come back from the break eric is going to tell us about something that is essential to our government and essential to our future. Whether you're a Christian or not, it's essential. It's called the Golden Triangle of Freedom. You've probably never heard of it. I never heard of it, and I'm embarrassed about that, until I read Eric's book, If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. My guest, Eric Metaxas, M-E-T-A-X-A-S. You know Eric because you listen to this program. Great writer, great speaker, and he's going to tell us the secret of the Republic and what you can do to help keep it. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes, so don't go away. If you can keep it the forgotten promise of American liberty, how do we keep a government that supposedly is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people if the people are corrupt. Are we corrupt? How can we govern fairly if we're supposed to be governing, but we're not fair? Wow. Well, let's take a look at it. My friend Eric Metaxas has a new book called If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. We've got an election in a few days. Uh, You can Google Eric Metaxas and you can see what Eric thinks about the specifics of the election. You can also Google my name my name, and see. And you can listen to the program from a couple of weeks ago when we talked what trumps Trump and Clinton. Uh, but we're going to go back to a little bit more foundational level today and talk about – our government, where it came from, how we can keep it, and in the book, Eric, you write only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. You quote the founding fathers on this, and then you talk about the golden triangle of freedom. If there's one chapter that everybody needs to read, and memorize, it's this chapter you have in the book here on the golden triangle of freedom. What is that?
1: I'm sorry, what? I was drinking a smoothie. What'd you say? <laughs> it's a. Did you know that they have it's a liver and onions smoothie. Very, very uh, wait, healthy.
0: You're in New York. You can get anything. Very healthy. You want.
1: Liver and onion smoothie.
0: Now, it's listen, delicious. Uh,
1: what you're talking about is so important. I can't even take it seriously sometimes because I am so concerned for my country. The book in the book, uh, if you can keep it, which is my new book.
0: If you can keep uh, the I, book. Quote,
1: I, I dedicate the book to Oz Guinness, my friend is Why? Mm-hmm. Because he wrote about this in a book called The Free People's Suicide, which I've talked about. ton. it's a great book. And I said, not enough people are familiar with this idea. I need to write my own book because I have a lot to say on the subject. And at the heart of the subject is this idea that I got from Os Guinness called The Golden Triangle of Freedom. This idea is so seminal that it's shocking when you realize you didn't know this. It's shocking. Now, mean, be- I was shocked and embarrassed when I realized
0: I didn't know this. Before you get into it, Os Guinness is a Brit. Well, that's the point. Right? That, that's what makes it yeah. even more embarrassing. Because I know. He, he knows this <laughs> stuff
1: and we have forgotten it. Seriously, all of the founders, and when I say all of the founders, all of the founders. We're not talking about some of the Christian founders, but we're talking all of the founders. Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, every single one of them understood what I'm about to tell you. And we have forgotten this, and this is sick, and it's killing America. I mean, we're, we're just about dead if we don't relearn this and take our country back, because you cannot you cannot keep the republic, to use Franklin's words, unless you know, how it works, and also you know this concept. So here's the basic concept. The Golden Triangle of Freedom, I'll say it quickly and then I'll explain it. It is Mm -hmm. that freedom requires virtue. Okay, so liberty, self-government requires virtue. Then in turn, virtue requires faith. And then faith in turn requires freedom. Okay, what does that mean? First of all, the basic idea, freedom requires virtue. Uh, You know, when I heard that, Os was talking about this, I remember thinking, well, what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't I don't get that. Put two and two together for me. What do you mean freedom requires virtue? I grew up in good public schools, Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, I went to, a, you know, a, an excellent college. I never heard this. Nobody talks about virtue. I mean, if you're talking about the U.S. government, nobody's talking about virtue. You're talking about history. Nobody talks about virtue. Virtue and faith and that stuff, that's all separate. We don't talk about that. And here I have this friend of mine explaining that all of the founders – said and wrote about this. I quote them in my book, If You Can Keep It. They all said over and over and over, you cannot have self-government. You cannot have the American kind of true liberty unless you have a people of virtue. They used the word virtue over and over again. They said it does not work. Not that it'll be tough. They said it will not work. The American liberty, true self-government, will not, cannot work unless you have a people of virtue. Now, virtue is a relative thing. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a person of virtue. But by and large, you need to have a population that values virtue, that acts virtuously, or that wants to act virtuously, every one of the founders. And again, I I underscore this. How weird is it that every one of the founders understood the fundamental link between freedom and virtue? I never heard it in school. You never hear it on TV. It is never mentioned. For the last 40 or 50 years, the word virtue has become a dirty word. We don't talk about it. So I wanted to understand this. Why does freedom require virtue? Well, what could be simpler? Freedom and self-government require that we govern ourselves, right? Self-government mm-hmm. means I have to govern myself. It means that the people cannot need to be governed from above for somebody with a gun or somebody forcing me through taxes or through penalties that I've got to do the right thing. No, I've got to do it because I know it's the right thing. Okay, so I don't rob or steal, not just because I'm afraid I'm going to get caught, but because I believe it's wrong. And so when you have a population that basically believes in right and wrong and basically wants to do the right thing, you have a people capable of self-government. If you don't have people like that, by and large, you will be incapable of self-government. The founders all understood this. They said, without a virtuous people, the whole thing falls apart, period. Okay, then they said virtue requires faith. Now, a lot of people would say, wait a minute, I know people who talk a lot about faith, but they're not very virtuous. And I know people who are very virtuous, and they have no particular faith. Of course, that's true. We're not talking about it as a rule. What we're talking about is that, by and large, the Founders said, you have people uh, of serious faith, and they tend to be more virtuous. They saw this in the Great Awakening when George Whitfield. There's a whole chapter in the book on George Whitfield. Another one of the scandals that we don't talk about him in our schools. We would have no knowledge about George, George yeah. Whitfield. The whole that's an excellent
0: chapter. That, it's all he good. But
1: basically, is preaching the gospel up and down the thirteen colonies, which leads people to experience revival, to experience the new birth in Christ. And Benjamin Franklin and all of the founders observe that when revival broke out, those towns and villages were more likely to govern themselves because crime would go down. When revival broke out, crime would go down, drunkenness would go down, and the ability to govern yourself and do the things that were necessary would go up. They observed it over and over and over again. Benjamin Franklin, who was not a theologically Orthodox Christian, he funded uh, some of what George Whitfield did. He published all of his sermons. He was George Whitfield's printer and publisher in the colonies. He believed in what George Whitfield was doing, if only because he was a pragmatic man. He was a Yankee, and he said that when people get religion, when people get serious about faith, virtue goes up, and I'm all for it. So you have this link between freedom and virtue, virtue and faith, but then faith in turn requires freedom. What do I mean by that? I mean that if faith is coerced, it's no faith. They knew that in the old country, okay, in Europe, I'm writing a a biography of Martin Luther right now, and you have Europe was destroyed because you you have, you know, if you have a Protestant prince who's crushing those who are Catholic, or you have a a, a Catholic king who crushes those who are Protestant, you don't have freedom of religion. So religion is forced by the government, and it never works. People become hypocrites. It's nothing but government power forcing them to go to this church or that church. The actual faith goes away most of the time. So the Founders said, in order for faith to flourish, faith must flourish so that virtue will flourish, so that self-government and liberty will flourish. But in order for faith to flourish, it has to be free. The government specifically has to step back and take no position. It just wants faith to flourish, but it's not going to tell you if you should go to church, how you should go to church, if you should go to synagogue. If you should do whatever, it's going to say you are free. We have freedom of religion. The government will not pick winners in this field in the same way that the government will not become a socialist government by picking winners in, in, the, in the world of corporations and, and finance and economics. The government says you are free. You've got a free market. You've got freedom of religion, freedom of ideas. You, the people, you choose. So government has to protect freedom of religion, otherwise religion actually dies. It cannot be coerced. And so when I discovered all this, I was so shocked, Frank. I said, I grew up in America, I was never taught any of this. This is at the heart of the entire American experiment. We have flourished as a nation because of this, and it took my British friend Os Guinness to help me understand this, which is why I dedicated the book to him. But most Americans don't get this, and of course that's just the beginning. But that's what I wrote the book about, and I have sent copies of this book for free, signed copies of the book, to every single member of Congress, every mm. single member of the Senate, because if our leaders don't understand this, it is game over in America. I don't. I'm not trying to be, you know, hyperbolic. I think unfortunately that is exactly where we are.
0: The book by Eric Metaxas, my friend, is. If you can keep it, you need to get this book. It's an easy read. It's a great read. I've been reading it the past couple of days in preparation for this interview. And you'll learn things that you should have learned in grammar school about how America came to be and why it is a unique place. But it can only remain what it is if the people are virtuous, if the people, as Eric said, are free – and right now we're in a position where the government has begun to pick sides even in religion, Eric, uh, if, if not in religion that we might think a, a customary religion where they believe in a deity and all that, they're certainly beginning to side with religious people who may be atheists against the traditional Christian religion in this country by saying that certain things as uh, if you're a Christian, you can't do. You You can't not participate in a same-sex wedding if you're a caterer, a florist, if you're a baker, if you're one of these people. You can't not pay for abortions. Even if you're a nun, you have to do it. I mean, what's going on with this, Eric? What can we do about it?
1: Well, I mean, I think that, again, first of all, you have to understand how it works. And people don't really understand the issue of religious freedom, mainly because we've had so much of it. You know, we're like mm-hmm. the fish who, who never heard of water. Well, right. what else right. is there? We've had so much religious liberty in America that it's never been an issue until now. And suddenly now you have the government getting behind a certain view on human sexuality, on the human person. Once the government does that, the government is doing what it says it can't do in the Constitution. It's establishing a religion. It is saying, we're going to go with this view against that view. Now, the the, the religion is not an official religion, but who are we kidding? It's, it is a religion. It's a way of seeing the world that says, This view of sexuality is correct, this view is wrong. This view of the human person is correct, this view is wrong. Once the government gets into that, especially pushing against other religions, the government has taken sides, and you have the end of religious liberty. Now, nobody's really making that case, but the the point is that that case needs to be made over and over and over again, because everything's connected to it. Once you start forcing people to go along with a certain view of these things, it's like forcing people to go to a Catholic church or forcing people to go to a synagogue. You have no right as the government to force people. We're supposed to have total freedom. And by the way, not freedom of worship. You know, they've got freedom of worship in in China. You go into that building, do your weird stuff. When you come out, you bow to the secular authority of the state. We're talking about freedom to live out your faith in the public
0: sphere. That is in danger, more than danger. It's being killed in America right now. Eric Metaxas is my guest. More about this and what you can do about it after the break. The book is called If You Can Keep It. I'm Frank Turek. Back in two minutes with the great Eric Metaxas. Welcome back to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, This uh, coming week, I'll be down in Dallas, Texas, Prestonwood Academy, and then at Wall Builders. Uh, You can check our website for that. And then next week, I'll be down at Sam Houston State for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist on Tuesday night, November 15th. And then on Wednesday night, November 16th, I'll be at Virginia Tech for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And then Thursday night, the next night, the 17th of November, I'll be at Concord University in West Virginia for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. If you're anywhere near those areas, Sam Houston State, Virginia Tech, Concord, hope to see you there. It's open to the public. My guest today is the great Eric Metaxas. We're talking about About if you can keep it, his new book, which you need to get now. Eric, let's go back to this concept of religion, because you know I know the atheists are thinking out there. Well, you know uh, what what kind of religion? I mean, uh, freedom of religion. Like, do Muslims have freedom of religion to commit jihad? I mean, religion has been the been the problem more than the solution in our country. What do you say to that?
1: Well. Uh, again, you, you have to educate yourself on this, and this is the danger: is that most Americans don't understand how this stuff works, and so we think in cliches and sound bites. But basically, our government will only work if people have freedom of religion. Now we know that every freedom has a limit, right? Freedom mm-hmm. of speech. If wh- if I want to go with a bullhorn and shout the N word in the inner city, the government is not going to say. Yeah, you go, man, because that's freedom of speech. No, they're going to say you cannot do that. There are limits to what people are allowed to do. So freedom of religion, if my religion says to me that, uh, you know what, God tells me to kill Jews, so mm-hmm. you got to let me do what my, my religion says, the government would say, excuse me, uh, but you've bumped up against one of the limits of religious freedom, that is not permitted under religious freedom. So we have to understand that when people talk about liberty and freedoms, a sophisticated understanding of that—I mean, it should be a basic understanding of that—is that there are limits to every freedom. They don't Mm -hmm. work when you take a freedom to its logical, you know, reductio ad absurdum. You see that it doesn't work. So if somebody says, our religion wants to have Sharia law in this part of the city, we want to do our own thing, there's a there's a time where the government steps in and says, no, 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 no. You've got to agree to these basics. For example, in America, you yourself have to allow people to change religions if they want. If you insist that, you know, if you change a religion, uh, we're going to cut your head off, uh, that's not okay in America. So there are limits to religious freedom. So when people talk about Sharia law, Sharia law says, like, you know, let's say it says that... Uh, so-and-so, this 40-year-old dude with the beard, he, he can marry this 13-year-old girl and uh, uh, rape her uh, because that's, that's okay. We say no. In America, we have certain laws. We do not allow polygamy. We do not allow, uh, you know, this kind of an arrangement. We don't know. There are limits to religious freedom. So Sharia law, it's it's out, okay? The same thing with any kind of theocracy. If some crazy Christian cult says, oh, we're... We want to have a a compound, and we want this to go on and that. There are limits. And and so the whole idea of true freedom being uh, infinite freedom is silly. Real freedom, there's a balance. And so we have to understand that um, this is something that has to be adjudicated over and over and over and over. We have to argue about these things. We have to argue in a civil way about should I allow my neighbor to have a same-sex relationship in that house, or is that out of bounds? Now, that's a healthy thing to argue about. Does the government have the right to go into that person's bedroom and say, you can't do that? Now, for most of our history, we've said you can't do that, right? But mm-hmm. I think we've come to a place where we've said, you know what? That's really not right. If, 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 if adults want to do something like that, you know, whatever. So we can argue about that. That's healthy. We can argue about same-sex marriage. We can say, is, what are the reasons for it? What, should we change something that we have had, you know, for millennia? These are things that we should be able to argue about and discuss. But when the government gets involved in pushing, rather than letting the people argue about it, when the government gets involved in pushing, uh, we right away as Americans have to say, I, 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 you cannot do that. Out of bounds, wrong, red flag, yellow flag, you are not allowed to do that. The government has to allow the people to decide. And again, unless you understand how the government and everything works, when the government does come in and start pushing you around and telling you what to do, you don't really know on what basis you say you can't do that. And frankly, you saw this in Germany. Bonhoeffer was trying to tell the people of Germany, the church, you cannot allow the Nazis to push us around. We're the church. We have certain values, certain ways of doing things. We're not going to sign up for the Nazi cause just because they want us to? That's not okay. That's not going to happen. Most of the church in Germany, just as much of the church today, was ignorant of how the whole thing worked, so they didn't know how to push back. They said, well, we've never pushed back. The Kaiser was always very friendly to the churches. Now we have a leader who is maybe not that friendly, but we've always been very friendly with the government. We don't know how do we push back. On what basis do we push back? Bonhoeffer tried to get them to see that. They didn't have the history of religious freedom, and the separation of church and state in Germany that we have in America. But we in America, in a way, because we've had this, we ourselves are ignorant of it. So when the government does these things, we need to rise up and say, ah, ah you can't do that. You know, when the, when, the, when the mayor of Houston required a bunch of pastors to turn in their sermons oh, like a year and a half ago, I lost my mind. I said, I cannot even believe in the United States of America that you could have a leader, a mayor, that dumb, that they would think that they could get away with this.
0: Well, they're doing it in Georgia right now.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's happening because people – this is no different than in Germany in the 30s, uh, you know, is that the people are letting it happen. If you let this happen without screaming and saying this is foul, wrong, anti-American, if you let this happen – uh, you are to blame, and we have been to blame it. Again, it's why I wrote the book, If You Can Keep It. In the book, If You Can Keep It, I kind of lay out a lot of this stuff, because I say, if we've forgotten this, and by the way, I'm the first one who forgot it, I'm the first one who didn't learn it, so I'm I'm guilty. And so I wrote this book, you know, as penance, so to speak, to say, if I didn't know this, we're in big trouble, and I didn't know this, so I want to share this, I want to <laughs> shout it from the rooftop. Every Here's
0: a man... Here's a man, Eric Metaxas, that went to Yale University. And y- are you telling me you were never taught at Yale, any of this?
1: Actually, I can go farther than that. I was not taught this in public schools. When I went to Yale, I was taught against these. Mm-hmm. Ideas. In other words, it, it, it's the one thing not to be taught these things, okay? So these things, mm-hmm. I really didn't learn these things growing up. This thing wasn't in the drinking water in school or on TV or anywhere. But when you get to an environment like Yale University, most secular universities are teaching against these ideas, the idea of American exceptionalism, America is blessed to be a blessing, the religious roots of our founding, all that stuff, they're actively teaching against it. And so most people in America have received a steady diet of either nothing or the opposite of of these ideas, and it's why we are where we are. It's why we... Are in a tough spot with this election. Why our choices are maybe not what we meant to be. We we are so far down the line on this that if we don't reverse course soon, like yesterday, we're dead. America's over. I say in the book that America is an idea, right? America is not an ethnic group. America is an idea that people like my mom and dad, who came from other parts of the world, they could become as American as George Washington. All you have to do is buy into this idea, and you become a citizen, and you are. As American as anyone who's ever lived. Well, Mm. if you don't understand those ideas, there is no America. Because we're a nation Mm. of ideas, the people have to understand the ideas. Otherwise, we become Americans in name only. And America, and we're right on the verge of this, we become America in quotation marks. We are no longer the country of the founders.
0: If we're supposed to be self-governing, how can we govern ourselves if we're ignorant of how we're supposed to govern I mean, it's it seems impossible. And one of the problems is, as you pointed out earlier, Eric, that when these things happen and we don't stand up and scream, it's because we don't understand how government is supposed to work. Uh, we have a Supreme Court. We have five unelected lawyers telling us how we should have voted on marriage, or how we should have voted on abortion, and since we didn't vote their way, they're going to impose that on us. I don't know what the right solution is to this, Eric, but that is a tyranny. Those well, are tyrannies. No, 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 that, that's,
1: that's exactly right, but listen, you got to understand how they got there. The, mm-hmm. the, they got there because we elected people who put them there. They didn't just yes. jump in. They didn't do anything right. wrong. They were put there by our elected officials. Now, this is why, if we don't understand how it works, It ends. It goes away. It is in the process of going away. We have these, I mean, for example, just take this election, okay? I have to say, the reason I've been saying we must vote for Trump, the reason I'm saying that is not because I think he's George Washington. I'm saying it because I know without any question that if Hillary Clinton gets into the White House, she is going to elect Supreme Court justices who are going to, they're going to take the bad place of where we are and go 10 steps further And we're over the cliff. Like, we're already right on the cliff. If we don't have somebody who understands the Constitution and who nominates constitutionalists, not just to the Supreme Court, but to all the other federal courts, if we don't have somebody who understands that without that we're dead, we're dead. And right now, we're in a position where we're right on the edge because we have not kept our eyes on the ball. The culture has drifted away from the Founders' view. And frankly, if somebody could prove to me that... that that there is an alternative to the founder's view that would work, I'd say, hey, okay, that's fine. But you know what? According to my book, according to what I understand, and I lay it out in the book, there is no way that our form of government, true liberty, true self government, can work unless you have the kind of view of all these things that the founders had. There is no there's no plan B. Plan B is George the Third and tyranny or a Brussels kind of you know, European Union tyranny where you don't really exist as a sovereign nation, you don't really govern yourself, that is the bleak perspective. Uh, unless we know how to govern ourselves and unless we take action – by the way, you don't need to be a genius to understand this. I wrote this book for everybody. These are ideas that the <clears throat> founders knew that every American can understand. But if you're not taught it, you're not going to understand it. So that that is why I wrote the book, and I'm trying to get this out any way I can, including talking on the radio. So thank you, sir, for allowing me to talk on your program.
0: Well, you have put together a fabulous book. The book is called If You Can Keep It, and my guest is Eric Metaxas. It's a book you need to get. I just downloaded it on Kindle, and I have it instantly. Uh, You need to get the book. The subtitle is called The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. How do we maintain liberty in this country? Ordered liberty, not licensed, but ordered liberty. How can we do that? And if we don't do that, ladies and gentlemen, not only are our freedoms that we enjoy as Americans uh, in jeopardy, but the very gospel is in jeopardy. Because if you can't preach the gospel legally in America and it's getting there, what does that mean to god now god get his will done through evil i understand that but we shouldn't want that we shouldn't want the gospel to be squelched by the government but that's where it's heading now when we come back from the break eric's going to give us some practical things we can do to try and keep our republic and he and i were in a meeting with donald trump not long ago and eric was the first one to speak and let me tell you something he spoke truth to power directly and i'm going to ask him what he said because you're going to want to hear it uh, you're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turk and the American Family Radio Network. Back in two minutes. Don't go away. About a month ago, my guests and I and several others were in a meeting at the Trump Tower not to endorse any candidates, but to have a conversation with Donald Trump over our concerns. Most of the people in the room were Trump skeptics, and many of them still are. But he wanted to hear from Christians and conservative Catholics on what we thought our main issues were. And Eric, I remember in this meeting, the first person to speak was you. What did you say to Mister Trump?
1: Well, I said a lot of what I've just said on this on this program. I, I can't think of anything that I said uh, to him that I didn't say already on this program. That, that this is at the heart of how this government works. And if you don't take this seriously, you will participate in you will participate in the end of America as we know it. Now mm-hmm. that sounds dramatic unfortunately, unfortunately, it's true. I hate that it's true. I wish I were wrong. I wish we could go through four or eight years and, you know, we are on the edge of the cliff. And I I promise you that makes me ill realizing how serious this election is. And I got to tell you, you know, I gave him a copy of this book. You'll remember that I gave
0: Donald (laughs) Trump
1: a copy of this book. Because I think that unless our leaders understand this stuff, Mm-hmm. They can't possibly govern in the way that they need to govern. They they, they just can't. Uh, a big part of the book, uh, which I want to say now, is that the reason America is exceptional, okay, doesn't mean we're better. I just saw Sarah Silverman uh, interviewed, and it was the classic example of the misunderstanding of American exceptionalism. People mm-hmm. like that think that if you raise the flag, if you salute the flag, you're basically saying death to everybody who's outside of America. We're better. No. Pride... It's like having pride in the town you grew up in. It's like having pride in your family. There's something very healthy and very beautiful about it. Now, can it go wrong? Of course it can go wrong, but it can go wrong in the other direction, Mm -hmm. where you don't have pride in your country. And the reason, particularly as a Christian, that I have pride in America is because we have always had the biblical view that we are blessed to be a blessing. We're not Mm -hmm. blessed for us. I'm not saying that there aren't some people who don't think that way, but by and large, Americans have felt we are blessed and we want to bless the world. When there's an earthquake, we want to help. When there's trouble, we want to be there. When there's a war that needs fighting for liberty, we put our lives on the line and we've done that over and over again. And we know all these things can go wrong. You can do too much, but the point is that it's in our heart that we believe it's the right thing to do. We believe in the biblical idea that we've been so blessed. And we want to be a blessing to others. If you care about poor people in Mexico, you need to care about America. If you care about people in China, if you care about people around the world, you need to care about America. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed for ourselves. So that's a biblical idea, and I say that over and over in the book, is that uh, you know, Tocqueville, uh, he never actually said the quote, but it, it basically sums up where he's coming from. He says that America is great because America is good. That's this basic idea that he talks about, And it's so clear to him that all of these community associations and all these things that make America free, it it makes us want to do good. It makes us Mm -hmm. want to help our neighbors. There's something there. And as a Christian, you say, yes, we are blessed to be a blessing. We want to bless the world. And when God sees that you want to bless the world, he blesses you. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the way it works. And we have been able to bless the world because God has blessed us. If we... Keep that blessing or keep that blessing for ourselves, it goes away. We understand that, right? That if you do right, God does right by you. But if you start you know d- taking the gift and using it just for yourself and not trying to help other people, it, it, it no longer works. It rots in your hands. And in this country, we have understood through our history that we have indeed been blessed. We're not kidding ourselves. We have been mightily blessed. and, and the, the biggest advocate of this worldview, is Abraham Lincoln. I write uh, quite a bit about him in the book as well. Abraham Lincoln understood these things better than anybody in history. When you read what I put in there from Lincoln's mouth, you start thinking, wow, this is Mm -hmm. why he was a great president. He really understood this. But we have forgotten this, not just what the founders knew, but what Abraham Lincoln knew. We have forgotten this idea, and it, it is causing us to fall it's like the flag is hitting the dirt we cannot let that happen
0: you point out in the book and the and the book is called if you can keep it the forgotten promise of american liberty my guest is eric metaxas a book you need to get and you need to get it to your lawmakers eric already sent to everyone in the congress but your local lawmakers and can can benefit from this book as well teachers can benefit from it anybody can benefit from it and uh you point out in the book eric that uh that there is a there's a, a healthy balance between criticizing America and uh, being so overboard patriotic that you don't see any of its flaws. But it still is the greatest country in the world, even with all of its flaws. And I, I'm str- I was struck by the epilogue of the book. Uh, m- maybe you can tell people the story of what yeah. happened in 2002 when you were going across uh, uh, the uh, the bay there, the river there, on yeah. a ferry. Tell yeah. tell people well, about what people, happened there.
1: I can't tell you how many people have said to me. They've emailed me. And you can, if you look on Amazon, you look at the reviews, mm-hmm. I am overwhelmed at the positive response to this book. I mean, it has been unlike anything I've ever written because there are always critics and stuff. But people... It, it, it's kind of like they 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 want to love their country, but they're not even hearing it put in this way. And what what happened to me in 2002—in fact, a lot of people have written to me. Tons of people have said that they're weeping when they read this.
0: Because right. I and, think
1: all of us have a place in our heart for this kind of thing, and it's beautiful. But I'm sorry, are you going to say something?
0: No, I was going to say that—I I, I, I don't know if you say this in the book. I read it this morning, this, this epilogue, but I would— the smoke was probably still rising from oh, ground man. It zero. Was, it was
1: right after, it was at, right after the uh, 9-11 attacks. I don't know if it was yeah. a couple months later. I can't remember. But for the first time since then, uh, my wife and I were visiting her folks down uh, in Jersey. And you can take a speed ferry from like 34th Street on the East River down across, you know, under the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and over to... To, to northern Jersey. It's an amazing thing, and we've been doing it a couple of times. And so we're on the speed ferry, and I love to go up to the top of the ferry. It's really zipping along. And I look over, and there are the missing powers. Like, you know, you're you're, you're passing it. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. there it is. And I look right next to it. There's the Statue of Liberty holding her torch. It's the cover of my book. Holding the torch outward to the rest of the world. We're not facing inward. It's not facing New York. It's facing outward and saying, we are here for you. We want to share our liberty with you. We want to bless you. This is not just for us. We want to be a beacon of liberty to the whole world. And I got choked up because I said, I love my country. Look look at that statue, nobly standing there. It's like her face had just been spit on by these, these monsters who have killed... Thousands of Americans, but we still stand there and we still say, we love you. Uh, We want to forgive our enemies. We want to love our enemies. We want to help the world to have the freedoms that we have. And I tell you, it just, it got to me. I said, this is who we are. And I myself have not appreciated it. And that's, you Mm -hmm. know, 15, 14 years ago. And I realized that I love my country, but I, I didn't love my country in the way, I didn't appreciate what we were and what we have been, what we've been to people like my parents, who they came to this country, why did they come here? Because they were dying to have what we have. There are people all around the world dying to have what we have been blessed with, what we have taken for granted, and what we are on the verge of allowing to slip away. That would be the greatest crime in the history of the world. This this nation has blessed so much of the world, and I believe that God has used this nation to reach the world with the gospel, to reach the world with the ideas that stem from the gospel, the liberties that stem from the gospel, if we would allow this in our lifetime to go away, which we're on the verge of doing, that's that's just so dark. I I said, I've got to say something, I've got to do something. That's why I wrote the book, that's why I'm talking about it. I I just feel like i never understood this before. Now that I understand it, I need to tell everybody.
0: All right. The book is called If You Can Keep It by Eric Metaxas. The New York Times best-selling author has a radio program as well. Download his uh, app, The Eric Metaxas Show. But Eric, we got two minutes to go. Give me some pickle uh, right here that Christians and other people who are listening can do to keep the republic. What can we do? Give us a give us a few ideas.
1: Well, you know, every author, the first idea he's going to give you since. Since I communicate by writing, like I would say, read my book. I don't care if you buy the book. You know, you can, you can steal it. Don't tell me you stole it. Uh, <laughs> or you can get it from the library, whatever. But the point is that unless we understand, this is really the main thing, Frank, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand these things, you can't really do anything because you right. have to understand how it works. So the first thing I would say is you need to know these things. And if you know these things, you need to teach them and pass them on. I am hoping that schools will begin teaching these things, especially classical Christian schools, whatever. But if you do not teach these things, you're going to get a generation that doesn't... We've already had several generations that don't understand this. The first thing is to go back and say, we must teach this in the schools. This Mm -hmm. is our history. This is the way our government has worked. If we don't teach this, we are very, very guilty. We've not been teaching it. Tons of young Christian people don't understand this at all. They have a vaguely socialist mushy idea. Why? Because nobody taught them this stuff. If you want to know what God wants, this is, this is his will. This is his, how he blessed this country so that we could bless the rest of the world. We are meant to bless the rest of the world. We're not meant to exist for ourselves. We're not about nationalism. We're about, we want to be strong so we can bless the rest of the world. And, you know, it, 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 I, I try to explain that to Donald Trump when we were together, that it, it's great for America to be great, but why do we want to be great? We want to be great so we can help the whole world be great. That has been at the mm-hmm. heart of the gospel, that we're blessed to be a blessing. And so I think that we we must learn this and teach this. That is the number one thing. Everything will follow from there.
0: Learn and teach it. The book is called If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of, of American Liberty. And you need to check out com. Eric, you're on the road speaking a lot as well. Where, where are you yeah. going next, just so people know? Where are you going to be? Uh,
1: I'm going to be be what's today saturday next weekend i'm going to be in uh, orange county california at greg laurie's church speaking at three oh, services uh i think that's it for this coming week but if you go to EricMattaxis.com it's all listed there
0: eric Metaxas.com. he's a wonderful speaker as you can tell a wonderful writer you need to get his books get if you can keep it. .com. if you can keep it the forgotten promise of american liberty by eric metaxas eric thanks for being with us my joy thank you frank That's Eric Metaxas, friends, and don't forget, I'll be in Dallas later this week. Next week, Sam Houston State, Virginia Tech, Concord University, three nights in a row, November 15th to 17th. Hope to see you out there. See you next time. God bless.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.